Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. So welcome back, guys. Hi. Good to see you again. Well, hi. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, people? How is everyone? Yep, I'm good. Thanks for asking. I'm drinking Pims and you Dry. You are good. Thanks. I'm drinking Pims and Dry because, uh, as you were both witnessed last week, I had a little <laughs> too much pirate juice. And before anyone writes to us to tell us that no one is lobotomized in a clockwork orange, I know. <laughs> I was just a little under the weather and got my films mixed up. And of course, I meant one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Anyway. <laughs> and you, Paul, right. what are you drinking? Uh, well, I think like you, I may have had a couple too many last week. It's really interesting for those who aren't doing the podcast with us, but maybe just listening at the end of it. Whilst it might only go for like an hour or so, it can take hours to do it. And we'd never know how long it's going to go for when we start. So mm. by the end of it, things get pretty messy sometimes. So for me today, I've got a, a lovely little John Gary uh, Gamay uh, from the King Valley. So it's quite delicious. It's a red, quite, not quite a lot of taste to it, but you can serve it a little bit chilled. So mm. it's a little bit chilled just for something different. Mm. Gamay mm. on, Mo. Oh, I like Gamay it. on mole. <laughs> Is that my, my thing to come in with my story? It sounds like game on mole. Was are, you, are you drinking at all, Swanee, or are you staying no, your standard tidy self? I'm going to try and stay a bit tidy to start with because it's only very early in the day for me mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So I can at least, uh, yeah. I can reward myself a little bit later with a drink, I think. But uh, good, not, good for, plan. not for be- the time. Because being. we did we did go to daylight savings during the week. So it's now a three-hour yes. time difference. Yeah. So I'm at the back end of the morning. So yes, not that enough. I could, not that I haven't drunk. And I did drink this early last weekend. It ended up, uh, how shall I say this? I went to bed before my children. Then my children had to come in to me and say, "I think it's time for us to go to bed. Can you put us to bed?" And I had to say, "Go and put yourselves into bed. Turn your lights off. Leave your doors open. And then I'll come in and I'll give you a kiss goodnight each." Because I was a little bit under the weather after drinking champagne straight for seven hours. It just makes me a little bit. A bit toxic, a bit acidic. So, um, mm. yeah, it's mm. taken me a few days to recover Hard from to that lunch. Mm. <laughs> it happens. Mm. Happens more to some than others, but yes, it yes. certainly <laughs> happens. <laughs> Sounds like we've all had that kind There's of nothing work. quite like a seven-hour lunch, is there? Oh, or a five-hour podcast recording session. Shall we introduce ourselves? Oh yes. Can we? Yeah, we can. I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And, and together we are, we are trial, trial by wine. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yes, we are. I Sorry, just want to say it's so much faster than that. Well, it's there was a, a so very impatient. slight there was a very slight delay. So we were kind of waiting for you. <laughs> and you were waiting for us gotcha. and that's why it felt so slow but yes never mind uh-huh. Swanee what have you got for us this week okay so I have a story 
and it's quite long and there are interesting points along the way that we can discuss and my biggest issue is being how do I reveal the story because because I know the whole story I know the bits that are really juicy and which are quite good but in telling the story some of those we don't get to to a little bit later and I don't really want to give it all away so sit with me stick with me I'll try and set the scene and I'll take you through so I'm going to entitle this week's um, episode for God's purpose. Mm. And to give you a little bit of an insight, uh, we focus on religion, uh, sin, the Bible, and of course, sex. Because All my favourite topics. I, I know. This is where the intersection of religion and sex comes into play. And I think that's where, um, that's where it starts to get a bit interesting. Oh, I'd, but, have um, say, I'd have to like say, I'd have to say, Sorry, I was going to say, if you've read the Bible, you'll see that sex and religion intersect a lot. They're always <laughs> begetting someone. <laughs> There's nothing like pouring a bit of sex, a bit of religion and a bit of crime into the pot and mixing it all up and seeing what happens. Mm. Exactly. And that's pretty much where today's tale will take us. So it's set in the US. Ooh. Uh, it's not Florida. <laughs> but I have to say... When you look into this story later, it could very easily have happened in Florida. The people actually look Floridian. There's just, it just looks and feels like a Florida story, but it's actually set in California. And it's set in a really small man-made, I'll call it town, called Silver Lakes. And it's in the mm -hmm. Mojave Desert. So if you're thinking of California and you can picture LA on the coast and Las Vegas, you know, in the desert, it sits somewhere sort of in between. It's a little speck on the map. And what it was created for is I think it was actually a town that was pretty much man-made to help with the railroad. So a lot of the people there worked on this railroad that goes obviously from LA probably across the country. Mm. And what they did was on this little dot, they put a man-made lake there. So these people who live there thought they kind of lived in a little bit of an oasis. They really thought it was quite beautiful only about 5,000 people live there. And I think these people probably worked quite hard, but, you know, played quite hard. Everybody knew everybody. So can I ask, when was the town founded? <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue, but I oh, okay. it was terribly long ago. I'm on but it. This, is this I'm story, okay, but is this story an olden time story or a no, modern it's time not. story? Right. And I, the, see, the town itself has quite a modern feel. You know when you picture those places like a Nileon Canals where all the houses look the same, it just looked like a, a suburban development, but from an aerial shot, it's actually quite small. It had, you know, the man-made lake, these sort of kit homes. Mm. Um, it wasn't a wealthy place. It was just a place where people went for their job, I'd imagine, but they thought they had oh, quite goodness. a nice level of living. Silver Lake. Do you want to know when it was founded? Yes, please. Yeah, sure. Great, because if you Google when was Silver Lakes founded, the first thing that comes up is Silver Lake Wikipedia. Silver Lake was founded in 1999 at the height of the late 1990s technology boom. Oh, wow. Clearly the wrong Silver Lake. So yeah. we'll go on to the Is one it? that we're talking about. Right, because I was going to say, where are the railroad road in that? But okay. Yeah, I was getting confused very quickly. <laughs> anyway, so the, the real Silver Lake that we are talking about, originally named Ivanhoe in the 1900s by a resident from Scotland. It was right. built around what was then a city reservoir, which gives the district ah. its name. Silver Lake is named after Herman Silver, a local politician who helped create the reservoir. We could go on a bit more, but I feel like that answers. 
I yeah. think that covers it. Thank you. I think that's kind of apt, actually. Now you understand it's it's built around a reservoir. It's not some gorgeous lake. It is just a purpose-built town, really a dot on the map in the middle of the desert. But yeah, so that's where our scene is set. And our two major players are a lovely young couple called Sabrina and Rob Lemont. Mm. Anyway, they were married in about 2000. At some point, they've been somewhere else in California and they arrive in Silver Lake. And that's because Rob has a job with the local railroad company. Okay, so they were married in 2000. They've arrived in Silver Lakes and they've moved into a street called Strawberry Lane. Oh, so idyllic. life Sounds was lovely. pretty good. Mm. So Rob is a mechanic with the local railroad company. Um, he'd wanted to be a firefighter, but um, wasn't. But, you know, really quite liked his job and was very happy to go off to work. And Sabrina, she worked at the local Costco and she was what you would call a sample girl. So apparently it's a thing in Costco. I wasn't aware of this. I've but... been to Costco. I know what a sample girl is. Yep. It, oh, right you do? Here. Okay. Yes, is, yes. It a co- is it a, is it like it's literally a person who gives you samples of food that they make on or with the oh, product they're trying to okay. sell? So if they're selling fry pans, they'll cook yep. something in the fry pan and say, here, okay. have and it'll be served with this teeny tiny little paper cup or, you know, some such yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically you watch people go around and that's how they feed themselves, I think, throughout the day. I, I think <laughs> if I was wanting to sample a fry pan, I wouldn't want to be sampling the food cooked from it. I'd want to be, like, washing it up or something like that because well, you know, that's <laughs> one of the things that annoys me about fry pans. That might be the feedback you need to give to the sample girl at the time. Life's yeah, a bit different like post-COVID with samples. Mm. I've noticed that um anyway so we have this couple who have two small children um I won't touch on the children again that, or touch the children again um but they are perceived to be this um, really lovely couple they're very popular he um looks like a bit of a tough guy I think he's heavily tattooed he's got a bald head wears those wraparound sunglasses but he's really nice the people that he worked with works with, um, think he's great. His mates adore him. And she's what I think middle America might call a hot blonde. She has, you know, bleach blonde hair, you know, those white shiny teeth, quite heavy makeup, sort of tattooed eyebrows, but, you know, thin and athletic and happy-go-lucky. So they are seen as this really in love couple. They call each other by pet names and you know, life is good. They are, they work hard, they play hard and life in Silver Lakes looks pretty perfect from the outside to pretty much everybody. So that's the setting. And well, yes, then they start to make friends with some of the locals and by about 2008, they are part of what they have coined the wolf pack. So this tight group of friends, all of them in Silver Lake, all of them sort of working together partying together, celebrating things. They all have children and they call their children the Cubs. So they kind of are really celebrating the fact that they've got this really tight-knit friendship group. And in going through a lot of um, information on the case, they truly were inseparable. I, can, I could find every Christmas, every birthday, school events, everything. They are all photographed together, you know, consistently for a number of years. They were a really tight-knit group and... I think even other locals who weren't part of the wolf pack were very aware of the wolf pack. And I think people from outside looked in and thought it looked like a pretty cool, fun, fun loving, supportive group of friends who, you know, just adored being with each other. 
who the were into religion, crime and sex. Yes, I'll use the word evolve, and I won't really go into it too much yet, but the wolf pack does evolve to be perhaps a little bit more than just couples who are friends. Do they invest right. in, any, <laughs> in anything like a, a swing at any time? Quite possibly, quite possibly. I think when you're celebrating your friendship so much and people are so aware of you as a group of people and the way that you behave in public, perhaps there was something along those lines. But uh, at this point, all we need to know is that the Wolfpack, Sabrina and Rob, are all fabulous friends. And there's one couple in particular who will play a more important role as the story uh, evolves, is a couple called Kelly and Jason. And Kelly is a hairdresser. Jason is a firefighter. And Kelly and Jason very much become the very best friends with Rob and Sabrina Limon. Do you think Rob was jealous of, I've already forgotten his name, the um, The other guy who's a firefighter because he wanted to be a firefighter? I, I have to say categorically no, because... Jason and Kelly are at such great length. They go to such great lengths to say how fabulous Rob is. Rob is the greatest guy they've ever met. They are, they're totally enamored with him, to be honest. He's the greatest guy. They, they say nicest person, greatest guy, best father, best husband, best friend. I mean, they couldn't have been more glowing in the way they spoke of him. Um, and he was at their house all the time. They were at Sabrina and Rob's house all the time. These people were just, you know, huge supporters, the biggest advocates of each other. And I think that in the, during 2008 and from, you know, from there onwards, there was a time where they were probably all pretty much in love with each other and the idea Mm. of being such great friends and having young children, young families, the support system. I don't think there are many families in Silver Lakes who have like generations of their family there. You've kind of moved there. So these people start and their friends become their family. So is is it normal? I mean, Hmm. Have you experienced this? You've travelled a lot, Carla, and have small children. I have a little bit, but not much to the point where I've lived in an expat community where pretty much everybody was from somewhere else and they'd move there for work or for any other, you know, number of reasons. Mm -hmm. But when you don't have old friends, you don't have, you know, your sisters, your aunties, your uncles, your grandparents, and you are very much living in close quarters and socialising often or going to the school run all the time, yeah, it's just through proximity, I think, and sometimes also seeing each other quite a lot that these friendships start to develop into something, not necessarily more, but it, it is sort of, it's given an energy by its, mm. what's the word I'm after? You know, it's quite intense, intensity. Yeah. It's not like you're seeing people, like in, in the real world, I see some, some friends, you know, I'd be lucky to see if I see them every couple of months or every couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. But in certain expat communities, you're seeing people every day and you're socializing with them yeah. every week. And all of that leads to this feeling of, oh, gosh, you know, we're, we're basically family. And you often hear people say that. Mm. Oh, you know, they're the, you know, the family that we never had or, the, you know, they are yeah. the family substitute. And I think yeah. that's where this started. It isn't where it ends. Right. But it's certainly where we are at the moment. It's where it started. Okay. So we've set the scene. We need to introduce a new character and we're going to introduce that new character at Costco because one day while Sabrina is at work doing her sampling, she meets a young firefighter a young, handsome man who is only 22 years old and at the time Sabrina is in her mid-30s. Sabrina meets a chap called Jonathan Hearn and he simply comes up to her while she's handing out her samples and after a bit of a chat, 
ask for her number, they exchange numbers, and I'll cut straight to it, and a fair begins when they did the training at costco surely they said now you're handing out samples you're not handing out your number yeah yeah that's kind of what struck me it wasn't a real challenge for dear old jonathan to to talk to um sabrina and get her number who this happily married yeah rob's amazing rob's the nicest person you ever met in your life what's going on here right but he's not a fireman you are the sample chick. You're not the chick to be sampled. Yeah, precisely. Yes. I think that... Gap in the training system. Exactly. So Jonathan meets Sabrina and I think there's a connection immediately. She's this sort of sexy older woman. And what we find out at this stage is that Jonathan has grown up in a very religious family. So religious, in fact, that to sort of avoid outward sort of interference they were also he and his brothers and sisters were homeschooled so really the the first taste of what I would call the outside world was when he went to the fire academy do you call it a fire academy I mean what could go wrong I just I love the way that people do this we'll have everyone a little sheltered in a little bubble and the minute they have to go out into the real world yes this is where all the gold happens isn't it (laughs) exactly except the Amish they seem to manage okay Anyway, but they don't they don't integrate well is my understanding. Like they they very much live that sheltered life and try not to. Oh no, totally. But they have a year where they're allowed out to live in the real world to decide whether or not they want to remain in the Amish community, living like that, or they want to go and. Did you watch that on MTV? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I'm just. Remember, there was it. like a reality program or something called My Amish Life, or and it was yeah. set on where they go to the city. It was. I had yeah, seen yeah. it. I think if you're doing it in a community, though, you can keep it in-house. If you're doing it in a house, like they're going to get out at some point yeah. and then there's either going to be a massive fight within the family or there's going to be a fight with the rest of the world. It's going to be a fight yeah. somewhere. That's right. I just don't think it ends well. Not setting up for good, good times. No. So we've got Jonathan and Sabrina have met, unbeknownst to everybody else. Something is happening. And had an affair. Yeah, so there's an affair going on, but no one's aware of it. <laughs> However, one night... Sorry, Carla, you missed that because you had your head down, but uh, oh. Paul did the uh, great sign for <laughs> having an affair. The old finger through yeah. the other... I think it was I circle. how to describe it. Yeah, yeah little circle, circle with your thumb and your finger and, and the finger. other finger through it. That's right. <laughs> how it's do I put it politely? That's right. Maybe they could have done that in this next scene. So the next time we, <laughs> we meet Jonathan is in a bar. So the wolf pack are out on a night out. Prowling. And whilst they're there, Jonathan arrives. But when he arrives, it turns out that uh, Rob and Sabrina's best friends, remember Jason Kelly? Mm-hmm. Jason yes. and Kelly know Jonathan because he's a firefighter. Yeah. Remember Jason was a firefighter? Yeah. They know him. And Kelly approaches Jonathan and starts having a chat. Oh, lovely to see you, Jonathan. You know, I haven't seen him. What's going on? What have you been up to? And she calls out to her dear friend, Sabrina, and says, Sabrina, come and meet my friend, Jonathan. And she says that at that time, Sabrina turns around and gives her what she would call an uneasy and kind of uncomfortable reaction. And I'm thinking, because I love to use it in every episode, Deirdre Chambers. What a coincidence. (laughs) Yes, there's always that moment, isn't there? And there's even a moment apparently where Jonathan is then introduced to Rob and even Rob turns around and sort of has a slightly uncomfortable reaction. But no one reads anything into it at the time. It's only afterwards. But apparently both Sabrina and Rob had an unusual reaction to meeting Jonathan at this, you know, informal wolf pack 
um, drinks night. Um, so nobody thinks anything of it. However, shortly thereafter, Jonathan gets in touch with Jason. So Robin, Sabrina's best mate. And he starts saying, oh my God, you guys are this, the greatest, the wolf pack. Oh my God, the wolf pack. You guys are the best group of friends. When you hang out next time, you know, let me know. I'd love to pop in and have a drink with you guys. And Jason's like, yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. We'd love to see you again, mate. Um, let you know. End of story. But not for Jonathan. Jonathan then starts to text Jason obsessively, like pretty much straight off the bat. When you're catching up, when you're catching up with the wolf pack, what's happening? I want to see the wolf pack. So oh, it yeah. starts to go on for a number of, I guess, weeks. And what first John, Jason didn't see any harm in, he then starts to become suspicious and thinking, Stalker. why are you hounding me? Stalker. Yeah. yeah. It basically comes to a point where one day Rob is at Kelly and Jason's house and dear old Jonathan is saying I really want to see Rob I really need to speak to him and so Jason says I know something's not right here I'm going to call him out so he goes and calls Jonathan and says Rob's here but you know what is going on he's my mate what are you doing what's happening and he said oh I just I just need to speak to him I need to speak to him and I you know I've, I've got to, I've got to share something I feel really guilty so I don't know how people would actually go about doing this but Jason tells Rob, Rob calls Jonathan, tells him that he's having an affair with his wife. Rob comes back in and says to Jason, because we don't actually know what happened on that phone call. And uh, Jason says to him, uh, is everything okay, mate? And he said, yeah, look, to be honest, I already knew. I saw a message on uh, Sabrina's phone a couple of days ago. Something was going on, but it's not happening anymore. So, I, you know, it's all right. I've, I've spoken to him. It's cool. This, uh, yeah, sure. This message that he saw, this was yeah. well after they had first met Jonathan at that bar and everyone was uncomfortable. It's not a massive period of time, but it's not weeks. It's sort of, we know that Sabrina and um, Jonathan met in 2013. And I'm imagining this is probably early, well, late 2013, early 2014. It's not, okay. um, you know, it's not years and later. So are we- are we correct in assuming that when Rob says to um, Jason, uh, it's cool that Jonathan is banging my wife, that on a scale of like one to ten, one being not very cool and ten being super cool, we're probably closer to the one? Uh, I would say that he seems very cool with it, to be honest. I think Jonathan's oh. panicked. Jonathan's feeling guilty, so he wants to say to Rob, I've done the wrong thing. Rob seems to Jason anyway to be kind of cool that he's sort of like, yes, it's it's been dealt with. We've spoken about it. And for all intent and purpose, they all just seem to move on. Jonathan uh, so removes it, himself. It won't happen again, not as in it'll continue to happen, but you know, we're the wolf pack and that's just what goes on in our little <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess so. I think that, you know, I, I mean, something must be going on for them to just be able to park that and go, oh, okay, Rob and Jonathan have spoken. It's what's happened has happened. We move on. And what we hear at this point is that Jonathan then does remove himself. He stops trying to, I guess, harass Jason to become more involved in the wolf pack. And mm-hmm. Rob says, I yeah. I feel like there's been a threat made. Something no, absolutely happening. no threats made. Totally the opposite. It's, it's more still weird. It's confession. like... It's like Rob just doesn't care. Yes. And his wife's been banging someone. And maybe that's the point. Maybe there is a problem with their relationship 
Yeah. And everyone Rob likes Jonathan. No, well, maybe <laughs> does, but he's. It was very easy for her. Correct. Correct. Like her, yes, she, feels oh, the nice young man. Here's my number. She, Off we yeah. go. You know, it feels like something behind the scenes of the Wolf Pack, particularly yes. this pair, was going on for some time. Yeah. It's not all love, is it? No, and and I think that's important to note at this point is that he wasn't angry. It did seem to be something that they could just go, oh, okay, let's move on. Jonathan removes himself, the wolf pack just moves on. So it's sort of like, okay, that was something that happened, but no one's terribly perturbed by, you know, someone having had an affair. And I think that they just go to business as usual. However. Aha. Like, so maybe yeah. I, I, I did my back during the week as I was telling you earlier, Swanee, and so yeah. I've been struggling for like about a week now and I got some Panadine port as part of the um, strategy <laughs> to manage the pain oh, and it said take this codeine, two this codeine. and I just I just didn't take two I thought no no I'm, I'm not sure I'm good with this I'll take one so I just took one the first time I took one I just kind of sat there staring at the tv with not a lot going on anyway yesterday it got really quite bad so I took two and I couldn't react very much and I just wonder whether Rob perhaps had had a couple of panadine ports <laughs> before he had the conversation and so didn't really react a little bit blase but as they wear off mm. hang on a minute yeah anyway. we haven't resolved it we've just discussed it and I'm just plotting from this point on well this will come as a big surprise to you but about well, I think it says about a year later but I don't know if it was that long but within the next year Kelly so Kelly is Jason's wife mm-hmm. She yes. pops into Costco and Deirdre Chambers, what a coincidence, who should she see at Costco? Which does seem a little bit odd, frankly. But she Jonathan. runs into Sabrina and Jonathan chatting. So mm. she goes home to her husband, Jason, and he's fuming. Because remember, Jonathan was kind of, they thought he was not quite their friend, but their contact through the fire department. And they were thinking, you know, who would do this to Rob Lamone? Everybody loves Rob, remember? Their best friend, Rob. Jason calls Jonathan and calls him out and he yells at him and says, stay away from Sabrina. I've told you before, these people are our friends. They're married. It's wrong. 38th and tells Jason that he and Sabrina were still friends, yes, but it was a spiritual connection that they had with each other. It wasn't sexual. It was spiritual. And they were sharing prayer time. And that's where their connection was. I love a good religious excuse. Jason doesn't care. He says, stay away from her. End of story. But Rob doesn't care, so what is Jason? Rob's a good care? guy. Rob's doing good guy things. Rob's just being Mr. Popularity. What he's would Rob there. do? Uh, he's still popping the Panadine port. He'll come good eventually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so a few months after the threats that Jason's made to Jonathan, they gather and they celebrate best guy in the world, Rob's 38th birthday. And it's all good. They're all together. They're all wolf packing. Um <laughs> That should be a word that means something, and it will a little bit later. I feel like yeah. it conjures up a visual that I'm not sure is correct. I think it probably is close to correct. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We've got to get a little bit further down the track to find out what the wolf packers were actually really up to. But anyway, however, on August 17, 2014, just two days shy of their 14th wedding anniversary, good guy, best guy, nicest guy in the world, Rob Lamont, is murdered. Oh, no, not Rob. What? Rob is shot dead. So at work, uh, having done some field work, he's gone back on his own to a warehouse around 5 p.m. And he is discovered sometime later by um, another workman and he's been shot to death. And it looks like at the time it's a bungled robbery because he's there on the ground dead with two bullet holes in him, but the office 
which is, you know, associated with the warehouse has been ransacked, a computer's been stolen and some files have been thrown on the floor. So yeah, it just looks like it's a robbery, well, you know, robbery gone wrong. And uh, there we have it. I was just saying that's a classic robbery scene with files on the floor scattered everywhere. Yeah. It's almost like something out of a television show. Exactly. Oh, They've no. gone to the effort of pulling out a filing cabinet and you go, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, that's exactly what thieves go straight it, for. You? Yeah. And, and I must say, if I was going to rob a warehouse, I'd go straight for the laptop that probably has no valuable information <laughs> on it. And I can't get all. into it anyway because I don't know the passwords. And a railway like yard. back yeah. all day watching porn and getting paid for it. Like, <laughs> you're not making money out of that it's just a ruse (laughs) exactly so we're left with an absolutely devastated wife Sabrina Sabrina is absolutely devastated yeah in total shock had you know has no idea how this has happened who would have done it does Sabrina know that Rob knew that she was shagging Jonathan I believe so at this point it's only through having spoke what Rob has said to Kelly and Jason, because Kelly and Jason say that Rob had said to them, look, I remember I saw the messages on Sabrina's phone. Yeah. So we've, it's been discussed. We've spoken, it's been discussed. Yeah, right, okay, discussed right, right. Yeah, so one like has Sabrina to assume Sabrina was that, yes, so devastated, that. she rang Jonathan straight away. To do some praying. Yeah, that's right. We need a spiritual moment together. Mm. Anyway. I just get down on my knees and pray. pray. She was <laughs> devastated. It says that Sabrina was unable to speak at Rob's memorial service. So she asked her friend, Kelly, so remember Kelly and Jason? Mm-hmm. And what Kelly does is Kelly reads a letter out that she, sorry, she is in Sabrina, had written to Rob years before. So it wasn't even actually something she wrote purposely for the funeral. It How was, did she get her hands on that? They must have had it already in the house somewhere. It's like, oh, let me get an old letter I wrote to him. This is a great one. Oh, right, right. So she gave yeah. it to Kelly. Kelly just clearly didn't hasn't said a nice it. word about him in the last 10 years. So let's go back to <laughs> But she did put something on Facebook and what Sabrina Lamont wrote on Facebook, she wrote, Robert showed his love, compassion, hardworking skills and genuine kindness to everyone he met. I will never let Rob's love die or fade out. I will carry it with me wherever I go and remind our children of it daily as they grow. So she had done that and she was comforted by everybody. Yes. (laughs) She also was the sole beneficiary of Rob's $300,000 life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. But we... That's not unusual. Why wouldn't she be? Let me just sample your $300,000 life insurance premium. (laughs) Yes. So what we're left with is a grieving wife, a community that is totally rallying around her. By grieving, Um, do you mean not so grieving or do we mean grieving? She appeared to be grieving, I think. She certainly appeared to be grieving and nobody (laughs) had any reason to be suspicious of anybody or anything at this point. They were just trying to find out who would possibly have had a motive or reason to... Kill the best guy in town. The best guy ever. Again, he was the most popular. And the way they've been sort of uh, pictured was, I think a lot of people put Rob and Sabrina on a bit of a pedestal. I think they were sort of the head Clearly. Within the, the wolf pack, yes. Yeah. They were the ones that everybody sort of aspired like to be like. I put Sabrina on a pedestal with a bunch <laughs> of samples. I think they I probably think it's did. very important. And again, we're, we all we are all aspire to different things. But if the heavily tattooed mechanic at the railroad with his Costco sample, you know, wife, it just it, it does speak volumes as to sort of the community they lived in. These people were like very 
Well, you know, salt to the earth. Salt exactly. to the earth. Yeah. yeah. Hardworking. You know, we all have our color. different. Yeah. I, I, I thought you meant they've made it. <laughs> well, they but had they in by their, their by their community. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah and have. that's important to know that people had, you know, sort of revered them for, the, you know, this outwardly perfect looking and social couple that people sort of wanted to aspire to be like. So in the initial weeks after the shooting, the police are concentrating on some footage that they've, they've seen from, well, I guess it's the car park, really, outside the warehouse. And first of all, they find some footage of a gentleman that sort of looks like an older guy with a limp. He's got a bag. And he looks like he's walking into the area and then he appears much later at a different point. That lead proves to be fruitless. There is actually a man who has a limp. He's sort of like a local, I'm not sure. Limpy what Joe. are you laughing at? Sorry. I'm just laughing at this idea of this elderly gentleman with a limp who, who turns out Limpy Joe is a local character that everyone had forgotten about when they were looking at the CCTV. In- in it wasn't difficult for them to find people. Limpy Joe wouldn't have done it. Must have what been was... someone trying to be Limpy Joe. What was the he guy? Was, and he wasn't that old. It said he was already known to law enforcement for having been cited for public intoxication. Yeah, he's uh, the and his limp and his footprints matched, but he had an alibi that was weird. And he's the fine. town drunk. But can I just ask you, Paul, can you remember what was the name of the Limpy Joe from Aberdeen who saved little baby? Whatever it is. Oh, yes. On the railway tracks. On the railway tracks. It's all about the railway. Yes. What was his name? What was his name? What was his name? No, I can't remember. Limpy Joe. Maybe Limpy (laughs) Joe travels a lot. I'm I'm just a little bit traumatised by something you just said, Swanee, about how he was known to the police for public intoxication. Why do you have that record? (laughs) Not only do I have that, most people who go out with me in public have that. I, I'm I'm shocked that that's actually something that you can have a record for. You can have a reputation for, but <laughs> not not in Indigo Valley. Having visited you, no. <laughs> no it's certainly a, re- a reputation. That potential suspect and has an alibi, and it's sorted out. Someone else, a gunsmith, calls in and says, "What was his? Sorry, what was his alibi? Was it that he was publicly drunk, or was it?" I read that it was with his parents. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I don't. That's not an alibi. Well, that's what I would have thought. But anyway, they were able to sort of. He left on Tuesday. He wouldn't have been able to make it back by Saturday because he limped (laughs) home. And he wasn't that old, as it turned out. Well, that explains the parents. I'm like, how old are Limpy Joe's parents? Because I'm picturing like a, you know, 60 year old man limping around. I'm I'm picturing him like Kaiser Sose. (laughs) You know, limps away and then starts walking just fine. (laughs) Hold on to that thought. Um, Oh. They also had another lead where a gunsmith had contacted where somebody had had a firing pin changed, but it didn't it didn't sort out either because it didn't match the murder weapon. So the police start broadening their search and they find some footage from a business that's not directly near the railway yard, but you'd have to drive past to get in. And what they do is they see every vehicle that goes past and they take a screenshot and they start asking local businesses, who is this? Do you know this person? Would they have reason to be here? And they can actually, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of traffic because it was quite remote. They could give reason to every vehicle bar one. So mm. there was one vehicle, which was actually a motorcycle. Mm. And then they became quite interested and they start then looking at other footage from other gas stations, whatever else, trying to put this motorcycle in other places. And they find footage of this motorcycle and a man walking in to getting a drink in inside a, what's it called? You know, the service station. A shop. And him looking up, seeing a camera's on him, you know, reacting and sort of, you know, trying to cover his face. And that's all they've got to work with. But it's something. Like this? Trying to cover his face? <laughs> Don't look at me. 
But having said that, what this man was dressed in was not what the person was dressed in on the motorcycle. So there'd been a little outfit change. Clown so suit. They start to build this picture of perhaps somebody who knows what they're doing and oh, a hitman, a hitman, hitman. Well, I wouldn't say a that hitman. much. But I would say that somebody who is prepared for the crime. They're all I was about going to fancy dress because there's nothing like being murdered by someone in fancy dress. I'm sure. Yeah, could you I'm, imagine? I'm not sure about a French maid. I mean, the clown is terrifying. So fine, but well, the there's French that whole thing odd. from Kill Bill with you know the schoolgirl, you know, go go with a yo-yo of death kind of thing. So there's yeah. oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> things get a little bit interesting now. So we're 12 days after Rob's murder. Okay. Oh, so well, it's going quite quickly then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we're the wolf pack, right? So we're Sabrina. We don't know of any prime suspects yet. We don't. It's all a little bit. Everybody that they've looked there's into. There's no unusual behaviour here. No, not at all. Not at all. But well, not unusual by their standards. It's yeah. just at Costco that the weird stuff happens. That's right. <laughs> However, 12 days later, Jason receives a very strange phone call from Jonathan. Mm. He wants to meet with Jason. No, Kelly, I was about to say from Jonathan. Jason wants to meet face-to-face with Kelly and Jason. No, Jonathan wants to meet face to face. Sorry, Jonathan wants to meet face to face with Jason and <laughs> Kelly. Kelly wants to meet face to face with Jason and Jonathan. And Kelly can apologize. He wants to apologize. He says that he needs to get it right with God. He says that his religion is the foundation of his life and that he needs to clear his conscience. What religion is he? Well, I know that he's Christian, but I don't know anything more than that. And I don't really want to know anything more than that okay. because I think. I don't want to sort of upset any particular. No, that's all right. It's, it's kind of, he's just a, a religious person, but he's Christian. As long as he's trying to make it right with God, then everything's fine. If you're a Catholic, you shouldn't do these things in the first place. So making it right with God is fine. Being sorry if is fine. If you're an agnostic, you just look at that as an excuse to say, come on, mate, you know, get your shit sorry. together. As long as you so say he's... sorry later, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I so did it, but, you know, I'm not going to make it right with God, so that's fine. Stop that's how you do it. That's how you get away with everything. So yeah. Jonathan's called and left this message for Jason and Kelly on the two-week anniversary of his death and then two days after that. So again, you know, like we're talking two weeks nearly. Jonathan calls upon Sabrina. So he turns up at her house with a massive bouquet of flowers and this note that he gives her that he's saying how he only wishes that he could have been like Rob and that, you know, Rob was a, a wonderful man and just really trying to appeal to Sabrina and say, you know, I'm here to support you. I cannot believe this has happened to you, but I'm here for you. Now, Kelly goes to visit Sabrina because at this point, they're all still part of the Wolfpack, still wonderful friends. Did, did Kelly and Jason meet Jonathan or is that still in No, the not yet. They haven't met Jonathan uh-huh. yet. Okay. So that call has been made, but they haven't met up with him. And they're just trying to look after Sabrina. They're totally, you know, rallying around her. And they're really suspicious of Jonathan. They're thinking, oh, my God, this guy's a dick. He's going to try and crack on to our friend kind of thing. Kelly is over at Sabrina's house after she's received the flowers and the letter. And Sabrina shows her the letter and says, oh, my God, how sweet is this? And Kelly questions her friend and says, don't you find that that's really strange? I think it's really inappropriate, you know. And she said, no, 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 no. Jonathan's not like that. He's just such a sweet, you know, God-fearing, good person. He wouldn't do that. No, no, you've read it all wrong. This is just Jonathan, you know, caring for me. But Jason and Kelly do not find this quite so, it doesn't sit quite so comfortably with them. So at this point, Jason calls the police and says, Mm. look, I'm not sure, but Rob was just the greatest mate of ours. And, you know, we adore Sabrina. We think 
that perhaps you need to look into Jonathan. It's a bit weird. Yeah. It's all a bit weird. Yeah. Jason says that they had had an affair. He tells the police that um, Sabrina and Jonathan had had an affair. And what the the detective, the detective, (laughs) the (laughs) detective does. Well, we'll find out soon enough if he's a defective detective or a good one. Exactly. But the detective downplays Jonathan's potential role. A defective detective. Yeah, the defective detective. Oh, he's like, oh, no, I don't know about that. I I think you can relax Um, because they're already investigating him. He's already on their Uh, radar, right? Right, 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 right. right. And he sort of, he doesn't quite say he's harmless, but he suggests as much because he doesn't want anyone to sort of be on to the fact that, Jonathan is being looked at behind the scenes. Yeah, so, it's like when they it's like when they interview people and they're like, oh, you know, we just want to know because we want to, you know, clear you out of our investigation. And the whole time they're interest. absolutely sure that that's the their prime suspect, but they're doing the whole, don't worry, mate, Jonathan we're on your side. Jonathan is assisting with the investigation. investigation. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. So Jonathan Jason Kelly the question there. They question their sort of thinking. They think, well, maybe the detective was right. But they did still think, you know, look, maybe it's just Jonathan. He wants to make a move on Sabrina now that she's free from, well. Oh, free husband. from, right. But, yeah, free is probably not right, the right word. But, but nothing more available. available. Now she's available. available. Yeah. Young and single again. Up for samples. <laughs> so Jason then goes to see Sabrina. And he just sort of says, you know, I really want you to look out for Jonathan. I just... I don't think he's good for you and I I think you should stay away from him. But Sabrina blew it off, saying that she believed everybody was brought into her life. Jason or Jonathan? Jonathan. She already blew Jonathan off. Now she's telling Jason to go away. (laughs) Right. So in the background, let's go back to the defective detective. In truth, he was already investigating, you know, his suspect, which who was Jonathan, even before he'd received the phone call from Jason. But, of course, that further helped his theory. And what the detectives had already uncovered was that the open relationship between Rob and Sabrina, the partner swaps, the sex parties during their investigation had already come to bear. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. Yeah. So this perfect couple, this perfect group of friends. Everyone loved them. They were wolf Literally. They were packing on each other. Exactly. So the detectives were trying to pull apart exactly who was seeing each other, who had open relationships, who knew about which affairs. It was just a writhing pack of snakes all over each other. Writhing. I like that language. I feel like a contact tracer could have unpacked that a whole lot quicker than a defective detective. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know yeah, there's a lot of contact to, he could have been a, de- a defective detective and really got to that same conclusion I think there's a lot of I'm contact I'm seeing Indiana Jones and the snake pit oh yeah that. it's not a wolf pack it's a snake <laughs> well it is according to Carla she's so brought what, the whole she's brought the whole <laughs> biblical serpent into the story mm. for us with that with that uh, description <laughs> so what they had on Jonathan at this point was that they knew he owned the type of gun. <laughs> it's kind of pretty obvious, really. Um, I don't know why they didn't do more at that point, but a gun what? that was used. They to knew he owned the type of gun. Gun, like, yeah. Like that's used, a dead yeah. giveaway, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he'd, he'd have a gun registered to him. Yeah. But he had a number of guns, but one of them matched. Yeah. But, you know, to your point in earlier episodes, Paul, guns, they're fun. It's America. It's fine. Everyone's got one. Exactly. But it is a little bit like that. I don't know mm. when you ever read these other stories. It's like if it happened in Australia and they found out someone had a gun, you'd be like, oh, my God, they must be like the prime suspect. But they're every or so many people have guns. That's not the first point of, 
you know, or the first thing you deduce and go, but, oh, it must be them. It's actually, well, that might help, but it's not as obvious as it would be if it happened here. I understand that bit, but I feel like if you're a detective, defective or otherwise, <laughs> in a town of 5,000 people and you're looking for a certain gun that murdered somebody and a person who is literally having an affair with the person who died has the same gun, hmm. you might just not leave them on the periphery. You might kind of get them in and actually talk to them about that gun pretty quickly. They probably don't start with all the yeah. guns with the 5,000. They start with who's been shagging the missus? Now yeah. let's look at his gun. Yeah. I just said when Carla said what they had on him is they had the gun. I'm like, what? Well, that would, I didn't expect. You would have thought that, that would be the end of the story, wouldn't you? Yeah. But no, yeah. Well, pretty much so, like, yeah, God, is yeah. there more? <laughs> Absolutely. So just park that for a minute. So that's one of the things that they think that they potentially have on him. Then they start to investigate the motorcycle. And guess what? He also has um, the same style of Yamaha motorcycle. But it had, it did look slightly different. But again, so these two things are helping. And what they basically do with this is it allows them to secure a warrant for his phone records. And that's what they really want. Right. So the investigators were able to see thousands of texts and calls from Jonathan to Sabrina. Yeah. But they had stopped four months before the murder. So are they trying to determine whether she had anything to do with it? Yes. So they're, they're pretty sure he did it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and now it's like just that, things it? are now certainly add, adding connect. up to him. But at this point, they're trying to work out what was really happening because all of them were so intertwined. Yeah. Um, but what yes. what role did, did she play in it? Did she play a role in it? And so this is why it's really important to find out the communication between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. So we we see. So, so we're then going with it's so obvious that he did it. Like yeah. how. But what role did she play? Yeah. Right. Okay. Now we'll I get her too. Now we're trying to get exactly. her too. Yeah. So Thank we you. find out that. Four months prior to the murder, they stopped communicating. So initially they think, oh, well, gosh, I guess the affair ended there. But what they then realised pretty much straight away, Jonathan started sending the same amount of texts and calls to another number the day after stopping texting Sabrina. We're smart, these guys. They're smart. Yes. A search of this number showed Deirdre it was a prepaid murder phone. What a coincidence. Yeah, a burner phone. A burner phone. Oh, gosh. On a the day of the murder. Phone. It's a sampler phone. <laughs> oh, gosh. Did she get it from Costco? I give it she to all my did. clients in Costco. <laughs> get your burner phone from Costco now. <laughs> On the day Sample of the murder, away. Jonathan didn't use his phone at all. Oh. And it didn't ping on any of the towers near the warehouse. Police found it strange that Jonathan's phone was silent for such a large chunk of time on any day because he was constantly on mm. and constantly messaging her. So a request was made for the prepaid phone location and shock horror, it was coming directly from the Lamont house. So it was clearly Sabrina using it. <laughs> shock. Oh, what? No, I did not see that coming. Not for a second. <laughs> the messages between Jonathan and the prepaid phone were clearly a romantically involved couple. They often spoke of God and God's purpose for them. This was enough for the detectives to get a wiretap on the phone. This is why I love religion. Yeah. It's just the best. And this I, don't is have what... a problem. I don't have a problem with religion. You and I will argue till the cows come home about people's choices to believe what they I want. Said, I said I love it. Don't take it as a negative. But, <laughs> I, but really I, don't think, I don't think people doing really bad shit in the name of religion is good in any way. So what this allows the detective to do is he starts, to, and I've never heard of this before, but I love it. It's called, he was able to 
tickle the wire. And what you do when you tickle the wire. <laughs> Please explain. What? By tickling the wire, you tell the people that you're investigating something that you want them ah, to think or believe repeat. Yeah, that they they'll will repeat. then use or, right. So Very what they would do is they would, he would leave a voicemail for Sabrina or the detective was also in touch with Sabrina. Obviously he was talking to her because remember, she's a grieving wife trying to find out who killed her husband. Yes. He's not so defective after all, is he? No, he's, he's probably quite, quite good, good, this guy. He's a sneaky he's, little detective. To be fair, she did accidentally say detec- defective instead of detective, yes. and we no, just no, kept going on it. So what he's doing is he'd tell her one. something, and then they would then listen to the phone call that would transpire between Sabrina yes. and Jonathan. One of the examples would be, so he, one of them, he, he said he called her and said, right, well, we've got this shot of a motorcycle. They'd say, you know, do you know anyone? No, nothing's coming to mind. She would hang up. She'd call Jonathan immediately. The detective right would be there waiting. And she'd be like, oh, you know, they found a call. In that call, they would then pray together. <laughs> before Sorry, she'd then laugh. call the officer back. So there's obviously this dialogue between Sabrina and Jonathan who are saying they're in love. They're praying to God for to support, get away with guidance, it. wisdom. But at no point do they ever talk about actually murdering, having murdered Rob. They don't talk about that at all. Right. They just always talk about what would God give us guidance, help us, let's pray. Yeah, yeah. I love you. should have prayed to God before they decided to murder someone, not after. Yeah. So he's constantly tickling the wire and seeing them up. There was another point where they said to her, which was a total lie, that they thought they had some DNA. Did you? You didn't see what Paul just did. Oh, what is the mother mean? Do it again. I was close. Tickle the wire. (laughs) (laughs) Very visual. Um, (laughs) So over the next few days, the couple would continue to talk about sin and how good God was. They once spoke in length about the Old Testament story of David and Bathsheba and how it applies to them. And I think this is where Jonathan. And his religious, um, I don't know if the word I'm after is not necessarily his understanding. Perhaps, yeah, mm. he really starts to dig deep and he, he becomes more and more, not to say more and more religious, because I think throughout the entire time that has been sort of the hallmark of his relationship with Sabrina is he's always referring to God in the Bible. He's, they do have a spiritual connection and everything he does or doesn't do is he has a reason that's based in the Bible. So He's I feel like, like if, if you're not religious and you're just like Bonnie and Clyde, for instance, you know, they had a connection, maybe wasn't spiritual, <laughs> excellent visual, yes. It was sexual, I, I believe. Mm. But, but I just think like if you're not religious, you still have the same connections. They're just not spiritual. And therefore, are they better or worse or or can we just go cut the crap with your religious rubbish your criminals and stop stop dragging religious people down and stop trying to justify your poor behavior through something else. but i'm not sure carla's saying that they're justifying their actions i don't with God. i don't think carla's saying that but i'm picking <laughs> up on that when they say oh no we had a spiritual connection like, oh they're definitely uh, using it to their advantage absolutely i think yeah, that just horrid people <laughs> I find, and we'll come to this time and time again on this story, is I find that when when people choose to look at, you know, like I'll tell you like the, I'll, I'll let you know this reference first. So he refers to himself at one point, he sees himself as like this sort of King David character. It says, Samuel, 
I don't even know how to say that. Does it say one woman? Tells a story of King David seeing a woman on her rooftop and sending his men to find out who she is. They tell him her name is Bathsheba and that she is married. The king calls for her to come to his palace and they begin an affair. When she becomes pregnant, he has her husband Uriah brought back from war to sleep with her to hide the sin of adultery. When Uriah refuses to sleep with Bathsheba, the king then orders Uriah to be put on the war's front line, where, of course, he dies. Eventually, the king marries her. So he, I think that Jonathan sees that there was something he had to do so that he could be with his Bathsheba, who is clearly Sabrina. So he's... I feel like the Bible tells you those stories so that you learn from them and don't do them again. Not so so that that you can use them to justify how close to God you are. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's all First Testament stuff. And let's face it, it's not necessarily something that you want to be taking too literally. It's not factual. It's true. It? You'll find that these people tend to cherry pick. So it's difficult to say if it's factual or not, Paul, because yeah. I wasn't around when two, you're three sleeping thousand with your best when friends, reading. When you're having sex with your best friends, and I mean best friends, so man and wife, you know, mm. when you're all writhing around together and doing whatever else, you can choose to turn a blind eye to whatever you want. But then when, you know, when it's such, oh gosh, that murder we committed, perhaps we better, you know, mm. find a Bible reference to seek forgiveness there. So it, exactly. it is, it, it's, it's called cherry picking. At can, I, yeah. can I ask, do you think Jonathan knew that they were, that Rob and Sabrina had an yes. open relationship? And that yeah. they, she obviously had probably, and so had Rob, slept with lots of other people in the wolf pack. Did he know yes. all of that? Yes, or he, he thought this was? Okay. Yes, he did. But it'll come to play later that she kind of used that and said that she wasn't particular, that it was all Rob's idea and that, you yeah. know, he he felt like she had been coerced. She feels yeah. like she's, yeah. And he was saying she's Yeah, that, or she's suggesting she's been pimped you know how You know how at the start of this you described Sabrina, and I was nearly going to say at the time, but I didn't. But do you remember that song from the 80s called Boys, Boys, Boys by Sabrina? <laughs> yes, and I do. somebody in a bikini. I'm looking I feel for like a good that, time. That's the visual I just can't get out of my head at this moment. It's just her sampling in a bikini at Costco. Boys, boys, boys. Uh, have yes, my samples at Costco. <laughs> yes, I don't think she was quite so innocent. Yeah. So, but at this point, the police are now confident they've got enough to go on for both Sabrina and Rob. So they go to their friends to talk openly with them about the fact that they're investigating Jonathan. And at that point... Talk openly as opposed to other things they do openly. Well, they're they're now saying, look, we think Sabrina's involved. Because remember, none of them thought she was. Uh, Jason says, absolutely not. Um, He'd bet his life that Sabrina wasn't involved. But his wife, Kelly, she goes, oh, yeah, I can totally believe Sabrina's involved. So that couple are like, "Uh, hang on. So remember, all four of them were sleeping together and then the wider wolf pack. But I think perhaps Kelly and Rob maybe had a deeper connection than... Was it religious? Yeah, certainly not religious, just a deep connection. Um, yes. All deep connection. All deep connection. Sorry, just remind me to ask later, but when you say that Jason would put his life on it, that they weren't... That she wasn't that Sabrina involved. wasn't involved. He believed she yeah. was innocent at that point. When we yeah. get to the end and we find out what's happened, can you remind me to ask if he's still alive? <laughs> yes, I shall do. So Fantastic. they've now approached the wolf pack, or, you know, the group of friends and said, you know, look, it's not quite right. We think Sabrina's involved too. They've said not. I think so. And they're getting ready to arrest Sabrina and Jonathan. And so leading up to that, they're listening in on a phone call and they think, well, 
let's just see how they bite. So they send a photograph just of the motorcycle and they send a with a message with it to Sabrina saying, we think we're going to be able to identify this bike. So she is talking to him as this message comes through and they start saying, oh my goodness, you know, I think this is not good. She said, you know, they've got this image of this guy on this motorcycle. So they don't say we did it. It's just them again, just, starting to pray. So, but I don't feel they're smart enough to recognize they're being tapped or anything like that. She does at this point. They're wise. Oh, she does. This this is the very last call. And Sabrina says she thinks she hears a clicking sound and believes the police are tapping their phone. At that point, the couple then starts saying their goodbyes as if they will never speak to each other ever again. And sure enough, two days later, on November 18, 2014, Sabrina Lamont and Jonathan Hearn are arrested for the murder of Rob Lamont. However, after interrogating the two suspects, the DA filed murder charges against Jonathan, but let Sabrina go, citing not enough evidence. Mm. (gasps) In late November, Jonathan pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder and was held for trial. So Sabrina, in all of the conversations that they'd ever had, she never said that that she knew about like anything premeditated Jeez, or that Jonathan, they never literally no it. evidence that said that, that yeah. they can pin on her to say no, correct she's admitted that she's done it yeah. that's right Whereas she's smart him, she's yeah. smarter than the average cookie. she appeared yeah well, no she's smarter than i think i'd assumed because of yeah her i don't know yes, exactly. i shouldn't have said a sample lady at costco couldn't no, but, but that's what they like thought this. and <laughs> it comes time it comes up a few times which is he was considered to be quite intelligent and religious and, you know, aware where she was, they sort of posted her as being, oh, you know, she's just this sort of, you know, blue collar. I don't know nothing about birth and babies. That's right. That's right. I don't know nothing about birth and babies or killing my husband. Yeah. (laughs) So Sabrina's a free woman, but really not free at all. So she's basically a prisoner in her own home because the whole community has turned against her. They are now convinced that she was involved. Good. And her, her kids are harassed at school, et cetera. So she basically has to up sticks and she moves out of the area to another town, 100 kilometres away, which kind of neither here nor there, but, but she's she no longer. start again. Yeah. Then That's we have to my jump. own little wolf pack in another community. Well, I don't know anything about her time there, but I would hope that she was sort of a little bit better behaved, but probably not. So although it only took three months from the time that Rob was murdered to the arrest of Jonathan, it would take two years uh, before the DA's office was ready to bring the, the case to court. And what do you know? Uh, two weeks before that trial was about to start, the prosecutors get a phone call from Jonathan and Jonathan's ready to talk. So things start to it's change a, now. Is this a plea deal moment? Correct. Yeah. Because his love for Correct. Sabrina wasn't being reciprocated like it used to be. I just think the American legal system is so different to ours. That, I'm um, not getting the same number of samples at Costco as I used to. Exactly. I'm ready to talk. Well, I'm not getting any samples and she's not talking to me anymore and it's been 18 months and my lawyers are telling me I'll probably, where are we, Nevada? California. California. So I don't think they have the death penalty, but it'll be a life sentence. Correct. So the and that, that doesn't sound like a great idea now that I'm not, on the phone to this woman every day who's made me feel like it was a good thing to do. So he's basically come to the party and said, look, I pulled the trigger, but I didn't plan it. She did. Um, <laughs> did he actually use those words? Because that's very cold. I think he did. That's, that's Jonathan had said admission. that it was Sabrina who wanted Rob dead. And this is where it comes back again into being a religious kind of, well, not motive, but excuse, I would say. Well, she was saying to Jonathan, look, you know, 
I, divorce is not an option. I can't yeah. divorce Rob. I want to be with that, you. I knew that's where you were going. Would not accept it. Yeah. I knew that's where you're going to go with this. And yeah. I'm sorry, thou shalt not kill. I don't care whether you call yourself a. Till death do us part. Catholic? You know, I, no, I no. can't leave him. I can kill him. No, you can't kill him. Don't call me that. <laughs> So, which is the greatest sin? Which is the greatest sin? Divorce or uh, well, murder? I'm not religious, so I don't believe in sin. Murder. Murder is the greatest sin. sin. So I can't answer that. I can't. However, I complete. am, and therefore I shall tell you it is murder. I'm, I'm with you on that one, Schmitty. Um, Thank you. But she sort of, she also made the claim that she thought that if she got divorced, she'd be totally ostracised by the wider community, and she still cared deeply about the wolf pack. And she said that. Whereas if I murder my husband, no one will care. Correct. It's all fine. So she didn't want to be shunned if she was divorced. She if still I get to be someone friends. else, if I get someone else to kill my husband and make it look like it wasn't me, and ever, and get away with it, then I won't be shunned. It's She's not very smart they on this one. Yeah, but I mean, I'm quite impressed with her ability to check herself through all of those conversations and that where she never once implicated yeah. herself. No, she was not once. That was quite. And there you were know, thousands, remember, thousands yeah. of phone calls. And they were listening to a lot of it in real time after the murder. They were on the phone listening. He, he said it was hundreds and hundreds of hours that he listened to them talking. She not, never once gave it not up. Not a slip, not a slip no. there. And yet couldn't quite mastermind this enough to get someone who was unrelated to her and the wolf pack or anyone to kill her husband. Correct. So the DA still didn't have any concrete proof against Sabrina because the wiretaps, they... They could prove that they were having an affair, but they couldn't approve anything else. Approve. They couldn't prove, sorry. Mm. And even that didn't really matter because they were in an open marriage. That so was all said that it was there was no crime there. But somehow the DA decided that Jonathan testified. Yeah, see, see, here's <laughs> another cracker. You want to talk about what God thinks. He's not really that keen on adultery. So, you know, adultery is fine in this relationship, but divorce isn't. But yes, murder's exactly. okay. I mean, come on. So they gave Jonathan a plea agreement oh. and arrested Sabrina on conspiracy to commit murder. Yeah. Until that time, Jonathan's family had thought that he was falsely accused because, of course, they were the religious zealots as well who were, you know, totally, they, they just couldn't believe that. And they were shocked oh, bless <laughs> to them. hear that their son had admitted to murdering Rob. So on January 9, we're now in 2017, Jonathan pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter. He was given a sentence of 25 years, four months, with a chance of early parole. So based on his age, he'll be out of jail before he's 50. He was wise to come forward and implicate Sorry, Sabrina. Sorry, how long was he given? 25 years, four months, of which he'd already served, I think, three or something by the time he'd even been. Oh, a long time. Mm-hmm. Voluntary manslaughter. It's like I kind of half-killed you on yeah. purpose because I volunteered to manslaughter By the time I you. get released, I'll have been in jail for more than I've been out of jail. Yeah. It's not worth it. Now, when Sabrina goes to court, it becomes... Um, oh, can I just interrupt for yes. a sec? Yeah. I just had a throwback to last week's um, episode, Magic Pussy. <laughs> it was actually the Catherine what Knight. Was it the week before? Yeah, it was Catherine Knight, but I had the same thought and I didn't want to raise it. Oh, dear God, I really hope it wasn't last week's because the magic, they were all like dolls and the young oh, girls lost like, oh, no. of no, there was no magic pussy in last week. That was the Russian doll bloke. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, sorry to accuse you of that, Carla. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I, I was thinking it, though. I was thinking it. Aisle three, or you can sample my magic pussy at home. 
<laughs> what? Whenever my, my number. Yes. So when she goes to court, all her friends turned up. But not to support her, they'd all turned on her and they were just super critical. And they were all like, oh my God, she would hate this. She used to look after herself and she can't have her hair dyed and she hasn't got her eyebrows done and she hasn't got her makeup on. They had just turned into like the wolf pack had turned into um, main girls. You can't sit here. <laughs> the courtroom was absolutely packed. And then the local community and also other, other places, I don't know where Bakersfield is, but it must be like the bigger town where the news. Um, I've been to Bakersfield. Have you really? where is it? Yeah, it's um well on the way back from Las Vegas. That'd be right. So I, I think that must have been where the court was, and it's certainly where the, the TV crews because it the, the lure, I think, of sex, religion, murder, everybody was watching and they actually live streamed it. I don't know if you call it that. Do you call it live streaming if it's been yes. fed from um the courtroom? So people were yeah. watching hours and nice hours well. of um evidence each day. It just became a huge thing. Everyone loved it. So this is September 2017. And they all turned into Regina George. Kind of. And Jonathan was the prosecutor's star witness. However, of course, some people did question his testimony because they were saying, you know, he's only going to say it to save his own life and make sure that he's not in jail so long. So Mm. obviously there was that Uh argument. But Jonathan took the witness stand for seven days and he went into great detail. Seven days. He started, you know, starting back with how they'd met at Costco, meeting the wolf pack, the affair, the parties they attended. And this is quite interesting. So Jonathan painted Sabrina as an irresistible older woman. Magic boys, pussy. Boys, boys. Magic pussy. Magic uh, pussy. Magic pussy. Uh, that he couldn't help but I'm fall so in proud love with. That that's, I'm so proud that that's taking off. I know. <laughs> Classy. Catchphrase. It's Magic going on pussy. our merch. It's definitely <laughs> going on our merch. I love it. He talked about how unhappy Sabrina was in her marriage, especially since they had opened it up in 2008. Did she look like she... this? <laughs> no, she didn't look like that, but that's how I remember her. I remember that that's... so distinctly. Remember watching that on Rage, where it would have all yes. those songs. And that seemed, I think she was Italian Sabrina or yeah, she was yeah. Dutch or something European. Yeah. And it seemed very random and not in keeping with anything else of that era. It was just like, oh, what is that Eurotrash that would come up as part of, mm. you know, when you were watching Rage? You used to watch Rage, yeah. didn't you, Schmitty? I did, but I was just thinking about our Eurotrash experiences. Oh, is we that were... why you looked affronted then? Because we <laughs> had our very own Eurotrash. Well, we love Eurotrash. I'm totally Eurotrash. But I think that was probably about 1988 or 89 or something. early days. had that song, and I didn't know who my Eurotrash self was at that point. No, no. I still go back to that satisfaction one, you know, with the... With the girls on the... Um, oh, yes, the power tools. Yes. I can't remember the girls on the power tools covered in baby oil. Baby oil, yeah. It's the most over-sexualised Eurotrash um, thing I've ever seen. It's grouch. You'll love that it. very good. I've used, I, I, I keep saying oh, somehow one day in my professional career I'd like to use it somehow <laughs> in an ad. Sorry, Paul. We're just talking about other Eurotrash, which is... Is that like... like- Satisfaction. Yes, that's the one they're all going. Yeah, birds are going like this. Yes, another one. Go on, Carla. Good chat. Where were we? So anyway, so basically, she's suggesting to him that it's Rob's influence, and she's unhappy in this marriage, and she's she does she's not the one who's let it to be open. She's just going along with it, and she's very unhappy. And I think she's obviously helping to manipulate the situation with Jonathan by saying, oh, gosh, you know, I can't believe this is happening to me. 
He, on the other hand, having grown up in a very conservative household, totally disapproved of this lifestyle, or so he says. Because remember, he really wanted to be part of the wolf pack, which I always found a bit suspicious. Jonathan disapproved of this lifestyle, and he said this disgust of Rob really started to grow within him. Um, His disgust for Rob. Yes. Because he was pimping out Sabrina. He was sampling Sabrina. Kind of. And again, Deirdre Chambers, what a coincidence. It was around this time that he and Sabrina had made a joke about offing Rob. Um, But that's all it was. It was just a joke. But over time, they started to talk more seriously about their plans to marry afterwards. And there could only be an afterwards if there was a death because, remember, divorce divorce was not an option for uh, Sabrina. That's right. Not, not for God. No, but so he's he's from such a conservative background <laughs> that he's okay picking up That's a married better. woman in a he's sampling her wares in Who's? Costco aisle thirteen kind of thing. Like, Magic pussy. <laughs> but also dumbass, like yeah, you know. totally. Because remember, he had to ring up the friends. He had to speak to Rob. He had to come clean early and apologize because he sinned and he'd done all this bad stuff i.e shagged his wife i I come back to the come back to the start of this with the religious homeschooling parents if you're gonna keep your kid that sheltered and then let him loose on the world it's not gonna end well no i mean he's you know he's, he's a bit of a victim of our magic pussy lady when she's not writhing around with the wolf pack. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Now, this hadn't come out before, but on the stand, Jonathan says that he and Sabrina had actually planned to kill Rob first, so prior to the shooting, back in April of 2014. He was actually shot in August, remember? But this is taking us back to April. Right. And they decided that they would poison him. So to test how much arsenic they would need, this is awful, but Jonathan, our good, devout Christian, actually first used it it on a neighbourhood dog. Killed a dog. I was going to say killed killed a dog. dog. Robert dusted it. He supposedly felt horrible about killing the dog. Not so horrible it wouldn't stop him going. I love how these people who are so pure of heart just go and do these horrible things because otherwise people will judge me. Like, what? I don't want to get divorced, so I'll go and kill a dog. As long as I feel bad um, about it and I say I'm sorry and I mean it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But when the time came. Forgiveness and don't wrong me or I'll kill you. I hadn't thought of this before, but they're saying here that she made the banana pudding and she put the arsenic in it and she had it in their fridge and then she got cold feet. And I think she probably got cold feet because it would have come straight back to her that time, wouldn't it? Of course anyway, so she, she called Rob and said, oh, the banana's gone off. I mean, isn't that what banana pudding is? Isn't it like off bananas or old yeah, bananas? Yeah, correct. They didn't go through with that. So that he says that had happened, but that had never come up until he was on the stand. So he was saying, look, actually, we tried, we'd thought about doing it once before and had gone through these mo- uh, moves. Clearly at that. homeschooling at Jonathan's house, they didn't teach him the lifestyle of a banana. <laughs> Where do you get arsenic from? I've okay, that comes something. I got it online, or something, online. But where do you get it? You buy it online. I don't know. Probably. Google. I have a friend yeah. who get it who on is, the Google. I have a friend who's part of the um, federal police, and she will tell you, "No, you don't Google that. <laughs> do not no. Google that." <laughs> I would one hundred percent do it because there's no way I'm ever ever going to use it. But I just want to see well, what happens. Also, I think you probably could get away with it a little bit more from a farming perspective. Just look up what is oh, arsenic. No, you can't. No, no, so we can get it. Arsenic is not a farming practice. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. Farming what, what, not for the rabbits? You don't want to kill the rabbits yeah. and the foxes? Oh. When, when the feds turn up, I'll go, oh, no, um, I just Googled it for the sheep. I just wondered where you, how you get your hands on it if you 
Because surely they're, even that's got a trail around it. I'm just going to send Tony a quick text saying she's asking where you get asked. I'm not. I'm she not knows she can't it. Google it. I'm not. I can't Google it. I'm I not, didn't say you're getting it. I said you're asking. Not trying to get it. So this is 2014. Yeah, no, there'd still be a trail, right? If they ordered it online, that oh, totally. someone bought it. Yeah. Anyway, just, as you say, they just didn't go use to it. Yeah. www.arsenic.com.au and see what comes up. Maybe you can get it at Costco. <gasps> Probably. Isn't it? it would be very helpful with her contacts there. Jonathan said that they didn't sort of go through with it. So then well, she, they didn't go through with it. And I really do think it was because Sabrina was the one that said, you know, it would come back to be traced to them. But I think them. Her. And she, yeah. Because said her, yeah. Absolutely. So they started to make another plan. The other plan was to burn Rob alive in his car, <laughs> but it fell through too. <laughs> oh, my God. How do you go from I'll poison him to I'm burning him alive in his car? Oh, yeah, my God. So we just that shoot him. That was God drew the line. So finally they settled just on shooting him at the railway, Fuck sorry, it. the rail yard Fuck warehouse. It. You know you what? You can poison him or you can kill him instantly, but you can't burn him alive. We learned back in the Middle Ages that burning people alive <laughs> is not okay. What's the expression when you talk about the simplest solution is usually the one? Oh, look, we'll just shoot him. I think that's yeah, what they got to. This is just too hard. We'll just shoot him down at work. Oh, God. So they have a text here that days before the murder, Sabrina texts Jonathan. This is her text. I feel God's purpose and strength working in my life and in our relationship. I love you, Jonathan. Sabrina had given Jonathan Rob's work schedule. He had also said that Sabrina had given him detailed directions to the railroad warehouse and a description of the shop's layout. I like this. Jonathan said that he had done recon work. <laughs> By the way, work in advance. Occam's razor is what I was searching for there. Yeah. Oh. That's where the simplest that answer usually is the one. Oh, yeah, shoot. As in Wacom Phoenix? No. Yeah, as in Wacom Phoenix. That's it. Okay, good. In prep for the murder, he had changed his motorcycle's look, adding flashing in a different colour to the gas tank, exhaust pipes and rear fender. And then, of course, he had that change of costume, as we said before. He wore long sleeve, oversized baggy pants and a face mask to make him look like an elderly man on the way to the shooting before he got into his second outfit. I just so say. Yes. When he first saw Rob, so when he's approaching him about to shoot him, he did say he had second thoughts, so he prayed to God for guidance. He stopped and prayed. And God said, kill that motherfucker. (laughs) Sorry, he said, and this is a quote, obviously... There was some apprehension in senselessly taking someone's life. But not if God says it's okay. Not enough, though. Jonathan, this is God. (laughs) Kill that motherfucker. (laughs) When he walked up to the warehouse, Jonathan said he walked with a fake limp to throw off anyone who would watch the security camera that he couldn't avoid. Ah, Genius. This is where it gets very, very, very So he was limpy, Joe. Yeah, he was Limpy Joe. Yes. But there was actually somebody who had a limp in town. So there was another Limpy it. Joe. I there mean, was a real Limpy Joe. So there was a poor Limpy chances? Joe. Had nothing to do with it. Deirdre Chambers. What a coincidence. Yes. And I hadn't covered this earlier, but they did know. What a premeditated murder. That in the bungled burglary, it hadn't been broken into. And that's because he knew Jonathan. So he says he'd walked up to Rob and he talked to him for a minute until Rob turned his back. Jonathan reached into his backpack for the gun, but the silencer had gotten stuck on the inside of the bag, so he just had to shoot through the bag. So he shot him through his backpack. 
oh, he fell seemingly mortally wounded. So that was when Jonathan went about making it look like a burglary. But when he walked past him to leave, he thought, oh, I better make sure he's dead. So he shot him a second time in the head to make sure that he was dead. It's interesting when you said earlier that there were two shots, two gunshot wounds to Rob. Yes. I didn't ask you where yeah. they were because I wasn't sure if you'd know no. whether it was head or something. One was in his chest and the other one was, the second one was in his head. That was where he, when he was on the ground just to make sure that he was gone. Good. Yeah, the, the, the shot in the head he is. He went and stole the laptop. <laughs> yes. Yes. Correct. And he did. <laughs> Messed up the filing cabinet. I was yes. just going to say the shot to the head and other parts of the body is often is indicative of a hitman, but it makes sense if he went back to him afterwards and shot him. Yeah. Or, or, or also a murder. Oh, <laughs> hitmen are murderers, first and foremost. Yes, but also <laughs> murdered people often have shots to the head. God, when, when he prayed to God, God said, you could shoot him in the chest. It'll be an easier shot, but you may need to finish him off with one to the head. And he said, thanks, God. I appreciate God is advice. good because God is very di- gives you good direct, very clear directions before exactly. you're about to go and murder somebody. Yes. Yes. Um, well, you need that. Like, God, should I or should I not murder? I'm not sure whether he said yes or no, but maybe he just said, if you do, here's what I'd do. <laughs> he, may, he, he may not have actually given you permission. <laughs> I'll, look, I'll tell you what I'd do, given yes, the same set of circumstances. Exactly. Yeah. I'd just smote him. So this is still... Yeah, I, I just smoke. I just smoke him. I just, yeah. you know, wipe him out, obliterate him, because I'm God. I don't need to worry about shooting. I just bang, gone. I'd start with a plague upon him and his loved ones, mm. but I feel like this is a little bit too much. I don't, I don't micromanage this finally, <laughs> so I, I can't actually tell I you. I just need to delegate. I need to hand you down to someone else. Yeah. Um, another department. I'll just give you some non-specific <laughs> advice. If you need something more specific, pray to me on Monday because Sundays are really busy for me. I don't do mm. literal Okay. Well, yeah. so if we're going to take it from your view, Paul, which is that God doesn't exist, we all know God didn't actually answer this guy. <gasps> he heard whatever was in his head. Magic pussy lady was in his head. Yeah. 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 He says that as soon as he got home, this is what he said, but she didn't say this. He said as soon as he got home, he called Sabrina and told her it was done since he had left his phone at home so it wouldn't be traced to the scene. He told her everything was about to change. Soon Rob would be nothing but a distant memory and they would be married. When asked why they had chosen, I like this, that time to kill Rob, Jonathan had answered, Sabrina said the wolf pack had planned their annual river trip and she just couldn't bear to go on it this year. And since there was no way Rob would let her get out of going, he had to be gone by then. So they had a deadline to work to. They couldn't go to the swinging road, sorry, river trip where she would be expected to participate in consensual sex with oh, their couldn't she friend. just tell them she was bleeding and didn't want to have yeah. sex i mean come on there are other ways to avoid having sex than murdering your husband <laughs> schmitty this is the wolf pack you don't get they're irresistible like, you know that you'll do it whether you're bleeding or not it's a wolf pack. <laughs> they're horn bags <laughs> They're, they're animals. They are horn bags, but that's they're the point. They're horn bags. The wolf pack are up for it. Oh, they're all, yeah, okay. All right. She's just probably got, the, you know, TMJ or so, something and can't can't give it all this colour. I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I little blowjob um, mouth joke going on there. Sorry. Yeah, it was a good one. Excellent <laughs> use of the tongue. 
I think that Sabrina is very good with delegating tasks because she gives specific information and she puts times around it as well. So, you know, don't just do this whenever you feel like. No. But I need it done. I can't do the river trip. Yeah, yeah. She's a good manager. She should have been promoted at Costco beyond sample. Well, if she wasn't stuck as sampler girl who should have been sampling chicken but instead sampled oysters <laughs> she might have been a whole lot more promotable mm. she's got good foresight hasn't she she does seem to be able to look ahead and sort of plan for whatever outcome will come as a result of what she's setting up she's a and planner. you know rob said yeah. it was inevitable he said you know rob needed to die for sabrina and i to move forward with our relationship so that was why it was a done deal in his head so that was his testimony. And can, can, can we just, um, did he ever revisit that at any point and go, I know I thought that was the case, but actually our relationship has moved very far forward once I've done that. No, I don't think he does. I, I feel like that's the lesson for every bloke who gets magic pussy <laughs> that, you know, you, you think this is going to happen, but once it does happen, the clam shuts and yeah. there is no more magic pussy, pussy. and things don't get better. I'm sorry, the clam shuts? Yes, that was, uh-huh. that was very visual. I like that. <laughs> the bearded I, I've clam. I've heard that before in relation <laughs> the to bearded clam, um, Australians who go and sleep with women in Thailand. I think you've got it wrong. I think it's actually the bearded clam. Yes, yes that's what I said. It is the bearded clam. Or it's a Brazilian. Oh, right. So that would Brazilian be Brazilian clams are a little less, you can't tickle their wires as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Good so... Chat. <laughs> that was Jonathan's testimony. And now for Sabrina, having been arrested for a second time. Um, but she never changed her story. So from the trial, um, oh, so she, al- she always swore that she had no idea that Jonathan had killed Rob or had planned to do so beforehand. The wiretaps had corroborated this since they had never spoken of Rob's murder or of Jonathan's involvement. And then what becomes quite interesting is her defence attorney, he tries to paint a totally different picture of Sabrina, obviously, and he argued that Jonathan was lying to save himself jail time and that with no evidence of Sabrina's involvement, she should be acquitted. They said, yes, she'd been having an affair, but she'd been honest about that and she had never lied, but that was all that she was guilty of doing. Terry told the jury that Jonathan was a gifted manipulator who preyed on the hearts of older women and he showed that while, while Jonathan was with hang Sabrina. On, hang on, Pra Sorry, can, we, can, can I interrupt? Yes. Preyed on the hearts of old women. Oh, yes, the, yes women. He cut them women out. Oral. He oh. cut them out and then he prayed over them. He prayed <laughs> on them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, because he's religious. Yes, I like that. Sorry. He removed I them first. Heard. They actually brought uh, another witness forward who was another woman that he'd been seeing and she didn't look dissimilar to Sabrina. She was also probably 10, 12 years older than him, an attractive blonde, and he had, obviously the defence attorney had put her forward, but she said the same thing that, you know, it was his love of God and that he was such a charming and intelligent young man that made her feel so special. He was a cougar hunter is all I'm hearing here. He knew that that... He knew that poutine came easy. <laughs> so her pussy wasn't magic. It was the magic penis this time around. I think, I yes. think this is the story we're hearing now. That's right. A magic younger one, I think. The so they showed snake. a pattern of how he manipulated. Yes. He manipulated the older women in his life to give him what he wanted. And he used his charm, the love of God, to disarm them because they thought that they were safe with him as opposed to their 
their husbands or partners who had them in open marriages and had them writhing around with the wolf pack. Not that the other woman was from the wolf pack, but, you know, that these people had sort of these quite... um, Explain to me then, if he's so manipulative, why he killed someone. Yeah, they didn't get to that point. (laughs) Of course they didn't, because that's what the prosecution's job was supposed to be. But Terry was saying, Terry, (laughs) my old mate Terry, Terry says that Jonathan Hearn gave Sabrina a feeling of just being wanted for herself, not for some kind of sex toy that her husband passed around. But this is interesting. When called to the stand, Kelly, do we remember Kelly? Kelly and Jace yes, were the original we Wolfpack couple Kelly who was they were best friends with. To say that Sabrina did it, Jason totally. was not. Kelly totally turned. Because Kelly had the real magic pussy in this Wolfpack. Maybe, maybe. My, I have a question though. Is there anything that suggests that she really was put in a position where she had to put out and she was uncomfortable with it, apart from her own I testimony. I don't believe so, because in some of the testimony that I, I actually saw when Kelly was speaking, she said that she and Sabrina would often hook up before they'd all hook up with their husbands. So she was quite happy to be with Kelly before the husbands then got involved. It was all very consensual, I think. I don't think it was just, oh, you need to go and have sex with Jason or whoever else. Hornbags, yep. Just in yeah, case so. there was any evidence that she actually was a victim. Just checking. Correct. Because we don't like to victim blame, do we? No, we don't. No. Well, Carl and you do. (laughs) I do. I feel like you do most. Uh, Not me. So while Kelly's still on the stand, Terry accuses Kelly of being in love with Rob and jealous of Sabrina and that she was just, you know, trying to get back at her friend. Kelly admitted that she had very real feelings for Rob and didn't like Sabrina all that much. But she then tried to blame the open marriage on Sabrina, saying it was actually all her idea. And it wasn't Rob's, which obviously goes totally against what Jonathan had used in his testimony. Yeah, but so hard she's to saying, believe her because she had the hots for Rob. I agree. So, you know, I like think it's... all of the pack, I wouldn't believe any of them. I think they were all just in Ion. it for what they could get. And then when it turned yeah, sour, yes. They're all a bunch and of cocksuckers. They're all a bunch Muriel. of suckers in something. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so the other side of the story is actually Sabrina on the stand. When she took the stand, her own defence, she openly talked about her marriage and her regrets. She told the jury that her husband had been addicted to porn. Sabrina had said she felt guilty about the lifestyle. It didn't align with her religious views. But murder, on the other hand. Not a problem. 100% okay. We opened our marriage bed and it changed the dynamic of our sacred bond. <laughs> when she says we opened our marriage bed, yeah, the opening just happened to be at Costco <laughs> while she was sampling her wares to somebody who wasn't part of the wolf pack. Correct. So she even went outside the wolf pack to get her fix. Yeah, she's just a, a, a manipulative pussy I'm going to go with. Can we have that term as well? I suspect that part of this is correct in the sense that she felt so not conflicted because I actually think she did all of that quite willingly. But if you do feel like some guilt over your religious beliefs and the way you're behaving out with the wolf pack, she says she thought he was wholesome and spiritually focused, which was of a huge appeal to her. Jonathan would sit and pray with her. It helped her feel closer to God. It was everything she needed at first. So I think as well as his phone number 
and, and his, yeah, and the fact that he was a hot fireman who was twelve years exactly. younger than her. Yeah. That was. I mean, she could have boys, gone to the local, boys, boys. the local church, couldn't she, and spoken to the pastor or the priest and had some um, spiritual guidance. But she chose spiritual guidance of another type. She does turn on Jonathan. She says, eventually, in the end, Jonathan started using her faith against her. She said that Jonathan tried to make her feel like she had to leave Rob to have a spiritual life, that the only way for her was to leave him. Sabrina said she she started to feel controlled all over again, just in a different way than with her husband. Poor Sabrina. So nice when people of faith turn on each other. (laughs) Goodness me. She said that she did fantasise about a life with Jonathan, but that was all it ever was. She said she could never actually leave Rob. He was her children's father and she loved him. She denied both attempts on Rob's life, so she said that the arsenic situation had um, never happened. She just adamantly swears that Jonathan had never told her anything about the shooting beforehand or after. To wind it up, it took a jury only six hours to find Sabrina Lemon. Now I can't even say her name. Sabrina Lemon, Sabrina Lemon, Sabrina Lemon. You know, I was American. Lemon, Sabrina Lemon. Guilty of first-degree murder, and that was because of Jonathan's testimony. She was sentenced to 25 years to life, and today the 41-year-old is serving her time at a Central California women's facility, and Jonathan is also still in prison, of course. First-degree yeah. murder. Not, there we not, go. So if you... She if actually you got are... done for first-degree murder, conspiracy to murder, yeah, I... accessory to murder, and solicitation to commit murder. Right. She was guilt, found guilty on those. She was not found guilty on the pudding, the banana pudding uh, attempt. They said that that they just no, that was not guilty. There's so no evidence. You can't. There's no, no evidence, evidence right. that that even happened. Yeah. yeah. So he's guilty to voluntary manslaughter, and she's first degree murder, conspiracy so, to commit murder, accessory to murder, and solicitation to commit murder. And, and he got twenty five years. Yes, with the chance of early parole, she's twenty five years to life. But he actually pulled the trigger and murdered the guy. And this is the problem, right? Does the manipulative one who orchestrates the whole thing get an easier sentence than the one who pulls the trigger? Clearly mm. not. I'm not convinced that she's got the, the sentence she needs. Too much or too little? On that then, Paul? Well, I think, I think so. There's a number of charges she's been found guilty of. Yes. But potentially they will both have a 25-year sentence. So, so she's to life as well. So she could get to no, no, but 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 potentially because she might not be. She might just be twenty five, and he might be twenty five, and therefore they've had the same sentence. If she gets her earliest, he gets latest. Potentially got the same punishment, and I'm not sure that's correct. And, and Look, I that was a big shock to happen. you. She is appealing her conviction in its entirety, claiming a total lack of evidence. Mm. Yeah. And so if she appeals it and then gets found guilty again, can we make sure that she gets, like, double? I don't care how much, just a lot longer. So then, Paul, how would you sentence her in the great legal system that is trial by one? You know, I I got so engrossed in the story. At one point you said I've been considering my sentence and... I was like, oh, yeah, I, I need to do that, but I'm still so engrossed, still trying to understand it, so I'm not very clear on my sentence just yet. Mm. Could you go first? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So mine's still a bit like you. It's, uh, you know, in the early days of consideration, but I actually think 
there are some other people who've weighed into this or made this situation happen and that's the wolf pack i think the wolf pack have not been operating in the most above board and sensible and god-fearing manner harking back to some other episodes where you paul seem to have a a penchant for considering <laughs> reality tv slash game shows as a kind oh, of oh yes i'm a wolfpack member get me out of here something, <laughs> something where the wolf packs all together and jonathan yes. and sabrina are thrown into the mix and you know maybe it's like survivor i'm a wolf pack get me out of here uh, on, the river, on the river trip she didn't want to go on the river trip maybe that's the sentence that we have this <laughs> televised river trip with the wolf pack and they have to chase jonathan and sabrina down the river and of course she's weighed down by her chastity belt because it's time she behaved in such a fashion that suggests that her magic pussy couldn't actually manipulate anyone anymore and they're chasing her down and I don't quite know what a wolf pack but it, I think a real wolf pack could possibly decide that she might be the weakest link oh I just brought another show in and there might be some kind of lord of the flies natural justice piggy 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 type moment with <laughs> Sabrina and Jonathan what do you think yes that could work. It, it's a hard one, right? Because I don't, I'm, I'm going to come up with another idea. So I think that the easiest way to get rid of a wolf pack is to get rid of the whole pack. You and they're not the all alpha. as guilty as each other, right? I was just thinking in, in that line of thinking, I think within a wolf pack, there's always an alpha male. Isn't that the whole idea? Yeah, so that was Rob. That was yes. Rob. Mm. And that's, I did have a footnote, which I was going to add, which will come as no surprise to anyone, I'm sure. Sadly, Jason and Kelly got divorced. <laughs> oh, you're that, shocked that someone, I guess. But so, you can't, do you think that that marriage could handle the strain? Oh, and you're also, I, me. I, I can't also believe think it. that the wolf pack is somewhat splintered. <laughs> mm. So I don't think it was but able so to the, handle the thing about the thing about being the alpha is that you're not the alpha for eternity. You're alpha yeah. until someone else challenges you and you can't defend yourself yeah. and then they become the alpha. That's just the way that whole alpha thing works. Yeah. In nature. I don't know about in, in humanity or in um, Silver Lake. But <laughs> but I feel like given that there's a wolf pack, so what we should do is chain them all together in order of responsibility in this crime I think Sabrina is probably the one at the very first chain. She might say Rob is, but, you know, Rob's dead, so it doesn't matter. But So let's chain them all together and then push them off the deep end, weigh the first one down really deeply, and maybe some of them will survive, but hopefully the Sabrinas and the Jonathans won't stand a chance. And then, you know, that, that's what happens if you're a wolf pack. Let it be known to other members of Silver Lake or the rest of the world. So is your punishment some kind of means to determine the next alpha or to just thin out the weakest of the pack? No, it, it, it's more about if if you're going to be a member of a wolf pack, which I'm not a fan of at all, it kind of grosses me out, but if you're going to be a fan of that and you're going to join a wolf pack, understand there are consequences and, and you may not be directly linked to them, but because you're part of that pack, there are people there who are doing horrible things. If you choose not to know about that or, or to, to not acknowledge your knowledge of that stuff, then maybe you know, you're, you're somewhat guilty too. I don't know how guilty you are. And it depends on the depth of the reservoir at Silver Lake as to how guilty you are. <laughs> but I'm very happy to push you all off together and just see 
what happened. Mm. I thought perhaps if I was, and I'm terrible at the, the trial part, as you all well know, because I'm not very good at that. But the thing that always comes back to me is what do people really care about the most or how they are viewed by other people? And for both Sabrina and certainly Jonathan, because they seem to think that they've got this, they're on this sort of sliding scale of what is right in God's eyes and what is not. And, you know, I think for them that forgiveness from God would be what has promoted them to do everything because they think that they'll be able to sort of get away with it because they ask for forgiveness. So I think that if they were shown to be publicly morally corrupt and not forgiven by the church and or God, and that they would have to live a sort of, or an eternity in sort of still in sin, that would be the harshest sort of reckoning of what they've done. Okay, let's go a step further, as Paul often likes to do, and let's just create hell on earth for them. So let's, let's pop them Somewhere, like I've recently watched a program where I was looking at the live volcanoes of Hawaii. Perhaps we need to helicopter them into and fence them into the lower lava fields of a Hawaiian volcano, a bit like your reservoir thing, Paul. And they have to subsist where there's no vegetation, just lots of hot ground, smelling the sulfur all day because that's hell on earth. No, let's put them in the front of Costco and have everyone judge them. Their peers and their community and people who know that they're sinners. Let's put them right in amongst the people who go that they care about what they think of. Costco would be their living hell. There's the the really harsh crime and then there's the Costco crime. And I think it's a really good one to explore, Swanee, because I think certainly Sabrina should be banned from sampling her wares in Costco or, or in fact, anywhere else. You think perhaps she crossed the line as being a Costco employee? Well, no, I, I just think that, no, I don't. I don't think it's even Costco related. I just I just think she likes to sample herself. Oh, right, got it. I feel like we put a stop to her sampling. And mm-hmm. also Jonathan likes to taste samples, so he <laughs> should never, ever be allowed to go to Costco and taste samples. He should have that his membership out. revoked for the rest of his life, 100%. Yes. Paul. No, I don't want him to not be a member. I want him <laughs> to not be able to sample. So you can see the stuff, you can see the goods, but you cannot taste them. Yeah, okay. You're going to have to commit to the whole lot or you can't have any. We talked about the Game of Thrones type walk of shame a few episodes ago. we did. Now, what if they had to do a walk of shame throughout Silver Lakes like every day? Yeah. But instead of just throwing standard rotten food at them, the township threw rotten samples from Costco at them. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Yes. No, but I feel like now we're getting into, it's not a game show, clearly, but it's maybe a, an opportunity for Costco to roll learnings out <laughs> across all their stores. So here's something we've had happen earlier. A if cautionary tale. Sabrina's mm. wear, then perhaps <laughs> you could end up being uh, sampling the fry pan or, you know, having that walk of shame through aisle number seven. It could be a little bit of a worldwide community learning. Yeah, yeah. So she becomes it be the Costco brand book. <laughs> yeah, she, it's yeah. in the Costco brand book. What not to do? Well, welcome to Costco. Oh, We're going to teach you how to sample. We're also going to teach you how not to sample and we're going to teach you a little bit of um percussion and what not to sample Mm. yeah yeah correct does anyone know anyone at costco that we could perhaps chat to about this whether they would go with that 
No, I mean, no, I, have I, no contacts at Costco. I am a Costco member, although I have a horrible feeling my membership is going to be revoked. And I would like to say none of this story has got anything to do with Costco. Uh, Costco. It's not Costco's fault. Costco has no liability around Sabrina sampling their wares or her own. <laughs> Just to be clear. I think we can all agree that it's not Costco's fault. Oh, but, yes. We can know, totally Costco agree that. would have a role to play in helping the whole community understand don't be Sabrina offering more than your wares. Just keep it to the stuff on the plate. The stuff that we've paid to sample. That's right. Not the not the MP. Not no, the magic. Not the MP. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yes. Don't go to I know MP. it'll it'll start sparkling underneath the plate and trying to get their attention. <laughs> but <laughs> just don't let it. Oh. All right, so what is our sentence then? Where do we end up with? So I'm okay with her being part of the, as Carla put it, Costco brand book of what not to do. <laughs> a cautionary tale. I think we've got a, double, a couple of different punishments. I'm a big fan of, let's say you go out to the deepest point in <laughs> the reservoir. Silver Lake yeah. and then use Sabrina as the anchor, but also oh. have a whole wolf pack in terms of most alpha first, least alpha last. And then we just, you know, it, it's a bit of a how deep is Silver Lake and, you know, how responsible are all these people? If you want to be a part of the Wolfpack in Silver Lake, then we're going to acknowledge your role in this. And if mm. it's three metres deep and only three people die, that's okay. If I think that's really fair. 20 metres deep and 20 people die, well, don't join the Wolfpack in the first place. No, and I think that's really fair that the Wolfpack played a, a significant part. Whether Sabrina was pimped out by her husband or not, everyone went along with it and everyone supported Rob. So if Rob was a coercive and controlling husband, they all thought he was the was nicest, he? greatest guy. Well, that's Sabrina's if, point. Sabrina's, Sabrina's argument. That's what I said, if he was. If people just could have kept their pants on, it would have been a good idea, I think. Yeah, I mean, back to your original point, they're a bunch of horn dogs. Yeah, they are. Horn bag. Horn yes, dogs. Horn bag. They're horn dogs because they're wolf pack. They're dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've got to go down the reservoir, get chained up, chucked in, possibly drowned, and those who survive are part of the brand book of what not to do for samplers. For Costco in the future. They can then be, yes, they can travel the world and tell other Costco employees and members. Let me give you a little bit of a story of what happened in Silver Lake. How dangerous it can be. That's right. How not to behave. Costco is committed to never letting this happen again. And and rightly so. But I also think to your point earlier, Schmidt, this is trial by wine. And whilst we are maybe getting Costco into the punishment side of things, they have no responsibility here. No, no none, of, none of this oh, has no. got anything to do with Costco. Sorry. And I love Costco. Please don't revoke my membership. <laughs> or else. Well done, Swanee. Good job, Carla. Good one. <sighs> so, um, I've got a, an interesting story for next week, and I'm not going to give you any information other than if you do have a pool, please keep it clean. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note. <laughs> on that note, I, I have no idea what that means, So, which is a good thing. So um, I'm looking forward to the next week, Paul. That sounds brilliant. That was a great episode. Really enjoyed it, Carla. Clarky, as always, you know, you and I and... All of the way we think and our values so aligned. 
once again, what, what's really important is the uh, ability to have different views and yet still come together. And, and still be friends them. after 20 years. If decided years. to do that more, we would be very, very grateful. <laughs> That's right. We are the world. This is how peace happens. That's right. <laughs> We are the children. <laughs> Love you, girls. Love Bye. you too. Love you too. Have a great Miss week. You already. Over and out. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye. Love you more. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.